As a professional driver, are you curious what to do during a roadside inspection? On today's episode of Driven Too Far, we're talking with Lieutenant Mike Madum of the Nebraska State Patrol. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler, and this is Driven Too Far, the truth about trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. On this episode of Driven Too Far, we're joined by Lieutenant Mike Madum of the Nebraska State Patrol. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm great. Hey, I appreciate you joining us. So I kind of want to jump right in. We have a lot of drivers that listen to us on this podcast, uh, some of them new to the industry as well. And one of the things that kind of makes the hair stand up on the back of a driver's neck is the thought of a roadside inspection. So <laughs> walk me through that. How does, how does one get pulled over for roadside inspection and what should a driver do? All right. Well, you know, it really starts one of two ways, uh, and it kind of depends on where you're at in the country. Um, some inspections in some states stop you for just the simple fact that you work in a regulated industry. So they're just pretty much stopping everybody uh, and doing those uh, roadside inspections. More often than not, it's going to start as a result of the driver doing something or being somewhere they shouldn't be or shouldn't be doing. Right. And, you know, that becomes that that starting point that the conversation builds from i think uh, a lot of what you hear out sometimes out there is uh, speeding seems to be one of those events that might get you pulled over and start the process and a lot of times the driver doesn't even you know they end up with a warning for the speeding but what they find themselves doing is through the inspection process though the officer might find violations true you know the uh the speeding violation is always in the top five in terms of violations found nationwide in inspections and uh you know it's probably no secret uh if the wheels aren't turning you're not making money and the faster they turn Right. The more consistently they turn, <laughs> right. uh, the more money you make. Right. I mean, there's, that's not a secret. That's not lost on anybody. Uh, but there's always that balance, um, you know, from a law enforcement perspective. Uh, we have speed limits for reasons. Uh, and most most often it's because we're trying to reduce crashes, trying to reduce those bad events that start with a driver behavior that end up causing a crash. And so speeding uh, is, like I said, it's always near or at the top of the list uh, because it's just, it's common. Uh, you know, everybody's trying to get where they need to go in a hurry. seems like the world is, is really moving fast around us. Uh, so uh, yeah, you gotta, gotta be cognizant of that. And you're right, that opens the door then to the rest of the inspection process. And that's that's where uh, we can spend some time today talking about that. Yeah, I bet. Uh, so you work in the Carrier Enforcement Division of the Nebraska State Patrol. Correct, in Nebraska, um, the State Patrol has a unique division that's devoted to commercial vehicle enforcement. Not every state does it that way, but here in Nebraska, that's how we're set up. So does that mean you're just targeting commercial vehicles or are you out there looking at the other four wheelers too? Oh no, we do everything. All of our officers are state troopers. Uh, the patch on our shoulder says Nebraska State Patrol. So our duties um, start by being troopers and that's gonna be every vehicle on the road whether it's a big truck or whether it's a four-wheeler. And uh, again, a secret not lost on many that are probably listening to this podcast is that quite often those behaviors of the drivers in the four-wheelers are what starts the issue when it comes to crashes and to bad events out there. So, yep, we're very, very tuned in to watching behaviors of both of those classes of vehicles. 
for sure the four-wheeler start a lot of it i think that's kind of probably one of the biggest gripes out there from professional drivers is just how the other motorists maneuver and and stuff around them well and you use the word professional driver uh i know the company that you manage and a number of the companies that we have uh, relationships here in nebraska you know they they understand uh what's really going on out there in terms of operating a fleet safely and getting qualified and professional drivers behind the wheel and those professional drivers quite often are the ones that are setting the standard in terms of driving safely and um, it's unfortunate you know Professional drivers do everything right and still end up sideways because of a vehicle around them not doing what they should be doing. Right, correct. So does the Carrier Enforcement Division, are you the same group that uh, works in the way stations alongside the interstate highways? In Nebraska, we are. Um, Again, Nebraska is set up um, with a certain model in mind, and that is all of the enforcement comes through the Nebraska State Patrol. Other states do it differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are states where there are civilians that run the way stations or run the ports of entry. Uh, Those folks have, you know, a limited role when it comes to enforcement and interacting with drivers. Um, In Nebraska, our troopers do everything. They run the scales, they do the enforcement, they do the inspections. It's it's a very, very full day for most of those guys out there. So I, I started my trucking career back in the mid 90s as a student driver. And I, I remember going through the training process with my trainer. And and I think it was kind of back in the days where, you know, of course, drivers refer, refer to him as a chicken coop or the super coop was the first time I kind of heard that term. And that was kind of the evolution of, of the way station and scale. They got high tech at some point. So can you speak to that a little bit? What's the technology? Sure. Uh, and. I think it's really important that we talk not only here about this, but you know, with companies talk with their drivers, drivers talk with their local law enforcement, and don't be scared of what's going on in a scale. Um, there's really no mystery. We try not to hide any of this from anybody, but we use a lot of technology here in Nebraska. Um, back in the early days, it was simply just an open and close sign. Uh, so when you drove by the scale, if it was open, you went in, if it was closed, you went on by. And we have found that as um, traffic numbers have increased, the number of trucks on the road have increased, the road capacity has increased, it's literally impossible anymore to bring every truck into a facility, um, at least the way we do enforcement here in Nebraska. We would, we would back things up and we've had to stop traffic out onto the interstate or onto a major roadway. We certainly don't want that. So we've uh, added technology periodically uh, over time, over the past 20 or so years. Uh, We started with what we call a way in motion system. Mm -hmm. So it's literally a scale built into the concrete out on the roadway. And here in Nebraska, all of our screening for our scale facilities, our main scale facilities, are done on what we call the main line. So we are doing all of our uh, pre-clearance at road speed the trucks that are going by our scales at the posted speed limit of 75 miles an hour we can do everything we need to in terms of knowing whether or not they're going to come in at that speed so the way in motion weighs a truck at 70 75 miles an hour to a high degree of accuracy accurate enough for us to know do we want to give an additional screening and bring them in Uh, we partner with a couple of pre-clearance providers here in Nebraska. So right. not long after our, our way in motion went in, we added uh, pre-clearance, electronic pre-clearance systems. And so via a subscription, um, those 
preclearance providers provide information to us about those trucks that are going by at 70 plus miles an hour. And we make a sorting decision based on uh, vehicle history, driver history, company profile history, the, all the safety facets of, of the moving parts of that truck and driver. So we'll do that. And here just recently, we added some additional technology. Um, now we are doing license plate reads on commercial vehicles at road speed. We are reading DOT numbers off the side of the truck at road speed. And probably the, the one that's getting the most conversation right now is our tire or flat tire detection system. So again, at 70, 75 miles an hour, truck traveling down the roadways here in Nebraska, we can determine if it has a flat tire, or even an underinflated tire at road speed. No kidding. It's uh, when, when I first saw it, I was a little skeptical. Uh, and we went to another state not too far from here to uh, see the product demonstrated. And we hadn't been in the scale probably more than about 10 minutes and the first vehicle came in that had, had been identified with a flat tire. And so all very curious, we were like a bunch of kindergartners going to the zoo. You know, we went outside and, and got right around that tire and we took turns kicking it and realized, yeah, uh, that system had positively identified. How does it work? I, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. So uh, basically it it's reading road pressures. Okay. So the, the amount of pressure exerted by each tire as it, it uh, there's a strip that goes across the, the width of the highway. Same one that takes the weight of the truck? It, it, or is no, it different? It's, it's a separate system. Okay. Um, so this is, it's a built-in sensor that's been implanted in the concrete, but it can determine a pressure differential as each of those four tires goes across it traveling down the roadway. It can tell, you know, tire number one has a, we'll say a, a measurement of a hundred random numbers here. Uh, maybe the second tire has a, a reading of a hundred, but the third tire maybe has a reading of 40. Well, so what happens is a fully inflated tire uh, carries more of the weight. That underinflated tire is just slightly smaller right. and doesn't exert that same pressure on the road surface. And so then it flags that as a potential flat tire. Uh, we check every one. Um, there are reasons that you will get those readings and you won't have a flat tire. Most commonly mismatched tire sets. So just a slightly smaller diameter tire that's maybe been put on the inside um, to save wear or something like that, um, that will create um, that discrepancy that will put a gauge on it and find out it's fully inflated. It's just a little bit smaller tire or something like that. Okay. So if we go back to what you said about the subscription service, and those have been around for a while, uh, pre-pass and uh, best pass or two that I can think of right now. And, and a lot of the big carriers use those obviously to help our trucks bypass and to be honest if we have good safety records uh out there that was always in our interest to do that to have that so what happens to a carrier that maybe doesn't have great csa scores or a good safety record does do those devices tell you that and how does that work they do okay so the the pre-clearance systems they get census information from their companies uh, and they're going to, you know, be tied to safety scores in some cases. I would think, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't work on the business side of this. I'm on the enforcement side, but I think from a business perspective, if you're a company that doesn't have a great safety score, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to avoid the preclearance system because it's, you're going to be paying for a system that really doesn't do you much good Right. because we can, we still have the authority and quite often invoke that authority here in Nebraska to override what that preclearance 
you know, the bypass that you would give. Okay. We have another safety concern, example, flat tire. If we have a safety concern, we can override that and bring that truck in to look at. So from a business perspective, it may not make sense for a company that's got a poor safety rating to purchase that subscription just because it's not going to benefit them that much. Now, the flip side of that, again, my perspective, is a company that's trying to improve their safety score. Um, the only way your safety score is impacted positively or negatively is through the inspection and process. Through inspections, that's right. Right. So for a company that's trying to improve their score, you want your trucks, you want your drivers to have a few minutes with enforcement, make a good impression, yep. and you know, hopefully improve that safety score for you. Well, if you're just going by scales all the time, that never happens. Right. So it's a little bit of a catch-22, um, even for good companies that have a good score. Um, if you don't have the opportunity to have all of your trucks looked at from time to time, you you could do yourself a little bit of a disservice in terms of the pre-clearance systems. Um, now, I will say that uh, we have a random percentage of all of those pre-cleared vehicles that are gonna come in anyway. And so you're always part of that small percentage that we're gonna take a look at. It doesn't matter whether you get cleared or not through the pre-clearance system you're coming in um, and on whether or not you get inspected, that's, you know, up to the enforcement and how they handle enforcement in that particular jurisdiction. You know, some, some States inspect almost every truck that comes through. Uh, we do our models different here in Nebraska. We, we have a smaller number of officers. So we focus on violations. Primarily we're going to be stopping trucks if there's a problem. Uh, and you know, that, that has an impact, I guess, on, on the operation and the safety for the company. So I don't know if the the transponders and the driver's windshield still work the same way. They used to have a red light, green light, mm -hmm. right? And the green light meant you got the bypass, you were clear to bypass the scale. The question, the confusion from drivers was always, I got a green light in my window, but the, the roadside sign says pull in. Mm -hmm. What do I do? Well, fortunately, technology has been catching up with what was a really good idea back in the day. Uh, the idea of that red light, green light um, in most cases was pretty simple, pretty mm -hmm. driver friendly. But to your point, yeah, there were conflicts. And as we in enforcement continued to add pieces to that uh, pre-clearance evaluation, I guess, um, yeah, there were times they were in conflict. Uh, we, we went so far in Nebraska here to post a sign roadside that said, follow your in-cab signal. I've seen it. Yep. Okay. okay. And that, that was a sort of a stopgap for us until technology could catch up. Um, part of that was due just simply because we screen at mainline speed. The amount of time it takes for the system to do the read on the vehicle, determine what vehicle's actually there, then run out to the federal systems, query for safety and all that kind of thing, bring it back and then signal the driver when we first started doing this, we were dealing literally with dial-up speed internet. Oh yeah. All right. So, I mean, yeah. you and I are old enough. We remember yeah. the old the, the oh, tones, yeah. right? And and dial-up speed and how long you waited for some of that to happen. Well, sometimes it literally the data couldn't move quickly enough that that truck would get to the point there had to be a decision made, and so then it would get a green light, and then maybe shortly after that, we would get the data we needed, and it might flip the the message sign to come in. Well. You know, we we want to when we can. We want to defer to companies who are making an effort to drive carefully and safely, and 
by and large preclearance uh, subscribing companies are doing that. So we made the decision, we're gonna defer to that green light that was given rather than try to confuse the driver. All right, right. so we've moved beyond that though. Uh, here lately, um, rather than the red light, green light, I think they still exist, uh, but the larger majority of drivers are using a system that's coming through a device. Okay. And so uh, data transfer speeds are a thousand times, probably literally faster than they were when we first started doing this back in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, and so we then are able to make a very well-educated decision. And I say we, the computers do a lot of work anymore, <laughs> right. right? So we have literally thousands of trucks an hour that go by our scale. We can't. Our, our folks just are not capable of, of manually determining if those trucks are gonna come in or go by. So we allow the computers to do the work. Um, but that'll happen so quickly now that we've found that the, uh, the systems are much better synced up and they're gonna get a consistent message out of both of the preclearance systems, whether it's our messaging on the side of the road or it's their in-cab device. So it's not near the problem it probably was at one time. I No, uh, I don't believe that it is. Um, to be honest, I've been off the road for a few years, yeah. uh, but I try to stay on top of what I hear from my officers, what I hear from my partner companies, and I believe that it is much, much better than it was. So I'm a driver and I get the red light. I'm coming up in the scale. What is that officer behind the glass looking for? What's he, what's he looking at me? Is he looking at the truck? What's he doing? Well, in an ideal world, and again, I mentioned we have just literally thousands of trucks that go by, and even uh, the number of trucks that come into the scale is, is high enough that most of our officers can't just sit and dedicate themselves to just watching messaging that's coming through the preclearance systems. In an ideal world, we would be able to sort of pre-identify whatever that issue was that got the truck flagged in, whether it's a weight issue, whether it's a safety issue, something else. We'd be able to sort of pre-screen that at the, the workstation inside the scale. The reality is if anybody's been in a scale lately, uh, one that's operational and kind of really, really busy, you know those officers are going five and six directions at a time and they're probably not sitting just watching a computer screen. So the ideal is probably not reality in, in that we are trying to figure out what's going on that got the truck flagged in. Sometimes it's real obvious. We do have some high priority alerts that will very much key in our officers as to why that truck is in. A, an, a very, very exigent circumstance uh, perhaps the flat tire. That's a pretty big one for us. Right. Um, a carrier that's been placed out of service by the federal government, uh, that's going to generate an alert that's going to draw the attention of our officer. We'll know that truck coming in is an out-of-service carrier. Uh, running the scale in places, that's going to develop an alert that will very much get an officer's attention. When the truck drives up, what are we looking at? If, we, if we're can't spend a lot of time looking at a computer screen. And most of us that have done commercial vehicle enforcement have been out there a number of years. And so you kind of get in your habits of looking at, uh, for me, when I was working roadside, uh, I'd, I would look at tire loading. Uh, so I'm watching for overloaded trucks or potentially flat tires before we had all the technology that did that. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I'm looking for equipment that's stowed and secure. 
Um, somebody that just takes a moment and bungee straps, you know, their load locks on the back of the, on the catwalk versus somebody that's got them locked in and they're not going anywhere. Um, professionally done. Uh, we talked about professional drivers, right? right? Um, drivers that are driving professionally don't get nearly as much scrutiny as somebody who isn't driving you know, I'm going to use air quotes that we'll maybe not see, but, um, you know, professionally, uh, right. whether you're trying to take a lot of pride in it. Well, yeah. And, and I've, I've seen drivers. I mean, I've, I've inspected trucks. I could eat, eat off the top and bottom of those trucks. Yes. I mean, they were just so clean. The interior was well done. Um, and the driver kept themselves up. I mean, all different. And, and, and it's, <clears throat> I realize it's, it's hard out there. It, it's a world that is not driver friendly by and large. I get that. Um, there's never. It's never easy to find a place to stop, to take a shower, to you know just take care of sort of life things rather than just getting the load from point A to point B. So keeping yourself up as a driver that goes a long way uh, when you come in and you have that first contact with an officer. Um, just looking the part, looking like a professional driver, man, that goes a long way to just first, we talk about first impressions all the time, no matter what line of business you're in. So some of those kinds of things uh, create that first visual, that first sense that the officer has with the driver. And you know that really can, I believe, impact uh, well, what goes on from there forward. Yeah, if the guy comes in and he's, he's doing everything professional like we talked, you're looking at him saying, hey, he's, this guy's got his act together. It's, you know, and it's little things. We started the conversation with this, with the inspection process. Um, this is where that really, where the rubber hits the road. That inspection process starts at the moment that I have that first contact with the driver. And little things like a driver coming in prepared for the inspection. I mean, the process of a, of a driver inspection, no matter where you're at in the United States, should be almost exactly the same because it's all based on a, um, a, a series of steps that have been agreed upon by an organization, CVSA, that uh, helps drive that process in a very uniform manner. And so a driver that comes in and has been either taught or has experienced it enough to know kind of what's coming. So bring in all the paperwork you need when you're called in uh, to go through that inspection process, having all your paperwork with you, not having to run back to the truck to get the trailer registration or to get uh, your load bills or something you didn't bring with you, um, just adds to that sense of professionalism. Hey, I know this is an officer. I look at that and I say, hey, I know this driver has been through this. They're prepared. They're they're ready to go. This is going to be an efficient and you know, process that we can get the driver right back on the road. Yeah, and I think of as from a driver's standpoint too, it's, you know, walk in with all the materials you're gonna need or think you might need and stuff. And and don't be trying to hide stuff. Cause if you if if you leave something in the truck and you gotta make three trips back out and the officer has to keep requesting you go get stuff, that's probably not <laughs> probably not gonna look good. Yeah. And you know, there might be a point where uh, you know, maybe the officer joins you. <laughs> oh, goes with you. you. Know, and just rather than running you back and forth, because as I mentioned, there are times where it's busy for us as officers too, right? I don't, I don't have thirty or forty minutes for the driver to run back and forth and get stuff in a process that should take fifteen to twenty minutes, right? And so maybe I'm just like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to walk out with you. I'm going to stand at the door and I'm going to say, okay, do you have this? Do you have this? It'd be like your mother the first day you leave for <laughs> for elementary school. Do you have your backpack, honey? Do you have your lunch? Do you have your pencils? Well, and you get that officer that close to the truck too. You got to think, well, there's more stuff there he could he could see. Well, right, you know, and uh, 
you know, maybe it moves from a driver inspection to a vehicle inspection. Yeah. Hey, I'm already here. Uh, it's going to take me another couple minutes to walk around the truck and do a full inspection on the truck. You know, as an officer, maybe I'm just going to make that choice. And as a driver, you went from a 15 minute stop to a 30 minute stop, 40 minute stop, maybe longer. If something comes up during that inspection that, you know, requires your attention afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so, um, being prepared for the inspection, I think that's that's the key for drivers that want to get in and get out. Um, and if you've never been through an inspection, I'm sure drivers that are listening to this um, maybe never have. Uh, we're vastly outnumbered as law enforcement versus drivers. Uh, and so the odds are you could be driving a truck and have never gone through an inspection. Well, take a minute. Talk to your safety department. Talk to other drivers in your company that have been through that. And it's like, hey, what was your experience? What do I need to have? What are they going to ask me for? And if you can, even if you've never done it, if you can act like you know what you're doing, yeah. uh, we all know how that goes, right? Well, and I think I got to think just the cooperation, even if you've never been through it, you've never done it, you think you kind of know how it's going to go, but just be cooperative. When the officer asks you for something and you don't have it or you weren't prepared, just go get it. Be cooperative. Sure. And, you know, maybe it's maybe it's just a matter of having a conversation, right? You as a driver that come to me and it's your first time and you are nervous. I mean, you're just shaking. <laughs> right. Beads of sweat are forming on your yeah. head. You hand me your papers and the whole thing is shaking. As an officer, I'm going to know that, right? I'm going to pick up on that. But you can, as a driver, say, look, this is my first time. Um, I've brought what I think I need. Um, here's my registration, my driver's license, all the things that we're going to ask for. Um, and you run into the thing that you don't have. All right. As a driver, there's nothing, in my opinion, wrong with saying, okay, I'm sorry, forgot that. Didn't know I was going to need it. Is there anything else? Maybe we can just go through the list of things that you're going to ask me for so that I can save you, officer, some time if I only have to go out and get stuff once. All right. Um, you know, just be preemptive on that. And I don't think there's Many officers in the world, they're going to argue with that. If we can get through it together efficiently, it makes it better for both. So we kind of started off the conversation talking about uh, maybe speeding is something that gets you pulled over, starts the, the inspection process. But I want to kind of take it over to the hours of service side from the drivers. You know, what do you see out there? Has it gotten better with e-logs? Are, thing, are drivers more compliant because of the e-logs or does it create more confusion because now you as an officer have to try to figure out how to look through their device to see if they're compliant or not? Well, um, I will tell you electronic logs has been sort of a uh, double-sided knife. Um, I think when it comes to companies being able to monitor compliance of their drivers, I think electronic logs have gone a long way to companies that want to do it the right way, uh, putting them in a position to understand exactly what's going on with their drivers 24 hours a day. And so from a safety perspective, from a company safety perspective, I think e-logs is probably one of the best things that's happened. Uh, the flip side of that, you got, you alluded to it. Um, it's probably not a secret and I'm the worst among us when it comes to technology. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mentioned as we were getting started before we we're getting started today that you know doing a podcast was something that an old guy like me doesn't really to stretch. Really right. Hey, there's right? a first. There's always a first. Right. And so a lot of officers, technology is a, is a, it's a problem. Um, they came to this job to scratch out speeding tickets and to you know 
take care of crashes. I mean, the things that police officers do, the idea of learning a very technical thing like an electronic logging device, um, data transfers of all the data that's in there, understanding what you're seeing when you get it, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. And so uh, I guess what I found is it's taken, it's, it's made it such that everybody just needs to pause just a little bit during that process to make sure that it's working like it's supposed to. Um, it's officers knowing that drivers may not be completely familiar with their systems. Mm -hmm. It's drivers being familiar with officers who are maybe seeing this for the first, their system for the first time. And just being a little patient with each other to get that transfer done and for the review of the logs to happen. Now, you asked if, if it's made drivers more compliant. I think I can say with some honesty that cheaters are always going to cheat. They're going to find a way. They're going to find a way. Yeah. And um, so there is a small minority of drivers out there and companies, for that matter, I think, that will exploit weaknesses, exploit technical vulnerabilities in these systems to try to game the system a little bit. For companies that are trying to be compliant, for drivers that are trying to be compliant, I think e-logs have opened the door to doing that with very little effort. Uh, the ELD systems, most of them start and stop almost on their own now, right? I mean, you start the truck, yep. the thing turns Seems on, it sees you're moving, flips you over to driving. And, you know, it requires some interaction from the driver, but by and large, you don't wake up and forget to start your logbook for the day. You know, when I first came on, that was the most common violation out there was driver got up, got in a hurry for whatever reason, didn't scratch their start, you know, that date and start the logbook for the day. Well, when I was driving, that was it. You you did your pre-trip and you started your book for the day. Uh, but man, it, it was hard to keep it up to date all the time. You could be rolling into a scale and maybe you hadn't caught your book up for the day and it was easy to get caught doing that so i would think if drivers have been out there for a long time that if if e-logs have done one thing it might give you a little peace of mind rolling into a scale knowing that your books are going to be current as long as you've done your part right you know and you've not tried to manipulate the system negatively yes. right in those early days when i started when you were driving that was the most common violation that we found in an inspection was log not current that's almost gone the way of the dodo bird anymore because unless you literally have not powered up your unit or somehow it's malfunctioned, that that violation is almost gone. It's been replaced by other things, but that one, it, I mean, that was almost a, a gimme as an officer. You stop somebody roadside, especially early in the morning, you know, you're almost guaranteed you were gonna get that violation because the driver just got going and had forgotten. Right. So. You know, as far as what we're seeing now, um, I think the the two things that really come to mind for me are drivers that are not drivers and companies. I guess I, I don't want to always put it on the driver because a company has a role in this too. Um, understanding personal conveyance, yes, and how to use that one. properly, yep. Uh, because improper use of that moves pretty quickly to falsified logbook. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, I think. The, the idea of personal conveyance, the, the principle behind it is good. Uh, there are times when a driver just needs to run to the store, uh, do something that's not at the truck stop, that's not really related to 
moving the load. It's just personal need. Maybe it's run to the doctor. Maybe it's, you know, take care of, um, maybe they got to go to the bank. I mean, who knows? I mean, there are lots of reasons that you need to operate that vehicle outside of the scope of moving freight. The danger is, uh, well, as a driver, you look at, well, the next, maybe the next stop, uh, if I went to the next exit, I could do my personal thing. So I stop at the first truck stop. I look at the map. I'm like, oh, well, I need to go to X, fill in the blank. And there's one down at the next truck stop. And so they think, well, I'm I'm going to the bank. I'm going to the doctor's office. So I put it in personal conveyance. Well, I'm also moving the load towards its yep. ultimate destination. Right. And uh, the the ability for us as law enforcement to look all of the details in that ELD, it's, it's pretty easy to tell that the load has moved uh, towards its destination and the driver was in personal conveyance for it. So um, it's really understanding when you should and when you shouldn't use personal conveyance. I think until we have some regulatory language that sort of catches up with some of the pitfalls yeah. that exist. In, it's a little vague sometimes. In Well, um, yeah, it is. And uh, that, it's intentional to a degree. Right. I mean, they, the, I think the federal government wants to leave a certain amount of latitude on that, but it's it's easy for that to to get misused, I guess, and you, you end up hanging yourself uh, either by choice or just by lack of understanding. Um, so, just knowing where you can and can't use it, I think that's it for the company side. Uh, Again, until we get some regulatory language changes, you know, maybe companies having their own internal policy that's maybe just a little bit, make, it tightens the fence up just a little bit on what personal conveyance is and when it should be used will help um, keep their drivers sort of out of, out of harm's way in terms of potentially misusing it. Yeah, well, I think this has been a great conversation this morning. I appreciate you coming in and sitting down with us. And and I know the drivers out there are definitely going to get something out of it. Well, it's a pleasure. And uh, it's really, I think, the important thing, if, if, if we've done anything today, you as, as a company official, me as law enforcement, I think what it does is it shows there's an opportunity to have a conversation. And sometimes at the side of the road, it's hard to do that. But the reality is having those conversations, understanding where each of us stands in the safety picture is really, really key. And so it's been a pleasure to be part of this today. Thanks for joining us. You bet. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Driven Too Far. Don't forget to leave us a comment and a five-star review.